Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We receive that word, Father. We will let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven, Father. Thank you, Father. This is the time. This is the season, Father. You will be manifested through us, Father. We are open to you, Father. We are open to your flow, Father. Thank you for the flow of your Holy Spirit in this place, in our lives on a daily basis, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I was reminded as we're getting ready to... um, bring up Brother John, a uh, person told me a long time ago that there should be a Paul in your life, there should be a Barnabas, and there should be a Timothy. And the Paul is obviously the person who's sowing into your life, teaching as Paul did Timothy. Barnabas was the encourager. He was the one to tell you, you can do this, you can, you know, uh, pursue, you can overtake. And then there's a Timothy, someone that you're discipling, that you're teaching, that you're pouring into. And um, throughout my days of college, um, Brother John was both a Barnabas at times, and he was a a Paul at times, um, sowing into me and um, always encouraging me throughout those years and still even to this day, and one of the things that I just remembered and it was dear to me was, you know, being around Brother John, the reason why I liked it so much, because it was a, a, a small example of the kingdom being manifest. You know, I always read in Scripture that in my, you know, those who are called or those who believe in me, in my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will lay hands on the sick, or they will pick up deadly things, and it shall not harm them. And, you know, whenever I was around Brother John, these things were going to happen. (laughs) I don't know why it was, but there was going to be some demons manifest, and they were going to get cast out (laughs) around Brother John. There was going to be some hands laid, and I was like, wow, there's not many people out here living the word or what I see in scripture and this brother I just latched onto and so I'm just uh, I'm just thankful to get to minister with him to get to still continue that relationship that um, we had I remember one time uh, we were it's one of those manifestations at times and he's like hey brothers this this ain't how my auntie do it <laughs> so this ain't how my auntie do it and so he brought us to uh make sure things got cleaned up, he brought Sister Gail into the mix. And so I got to meet Sister Gail, and it was funny. She didn't uh, say any big words or anything. She just looked at us as, you know, she came in, and she started speaking in that other language. And I was like, wow, there's people that live this. <laughs> got Brother John, who I thought he was an anomaly, and, but no, it was Sister Gail. It was, there was more people like that, and so it's just... Without further ado, it's an honor, man. Come break bread with us. Praise God. Thank you, praise God. Praise God. Stop for a little bit. Tie my shoe. I apologize for this interruption. All right. 
Praise God. Yeah, that was, uh, those were uh, fine times. And Pastor Jim was setting me up, teach me all this stuff, and then just kind of release me out there. <laughs> and then he'd clean it up uh, later on. I remember that um, there was a, as we were growing, again, he um, got ministered, the ministry of the Holy Spirit here in this church, and and uh, got introduced to, you know, speaking in other tongues in this church. And and I'd go back and share stuff. Some stuff uh, I would I would keep close to the vest because I was like, I don't know if they can handle that. <laughs> you know, I remember Pastor Jim coming on campus. We brought him on campus to teach to some people. And he was teaching, and he asked the questions. And I, all right, now, John, now, who do you know that's like, you know, really living you know, the Christ life? When there was, there were, I had people that had come listen to him. I wanted them to hear what he had to say. And he says, John, now, when you, when you look, you know, and, and you're looking for others, you know, that, that are living this, who do you see, you know? And I was like, oh, it's one of those questions again, Pastor Jim questions. And I looked at everybody around me that was pursuing God, and I was like, well, none of these jokers. You know? <laughs> and, and that wasn't his, that, you know, I don't think that was the answer he was looking for, but um, I was, you know, like, man, you know, I, what, what we were learning, we weren't necessarily seeing, which is why I brought him there, because I wanted them to, to be exposed to that. And, and, and I hook up with Ken, and and uh, they were pursuing that and got almost introduced to the to the speaking at other times. It was they were speaking to something different, <laughs> and uh, my spirit was troubled. So uh, praise God for the body I was able to reach out to Aunt Gail, who came and, and ministered, and, and things got corrected. And, and then I had a problem because she's like, well, you know, you need to do this continually, and you know, even when you you know you're in the car riding, just do it. You know, we'd be in the car and I'd want to talk, and these brothers was praying in other tongues. <laughs> Damn it, Ken! I was like, come on, man! I don't have the interpretation. Just go English. Go English. <laughs> and uh, we had some good times, man. And our family began to enlarge. And and uh, I'm I'm a uh, yeah, because Jennifer's not in here, so I'm gonna tell on her. You know, we God blesses you with good things, and um, as I try to get into it. And there was a time when we were all growing together, and then all of a sudden, Jennifer got introduced into this group. We had, we had plenty of godly women in, in our lives. Uh, Dave was in our group, and he was married to Tara. You know, we kind of all looked up to him because he was living the dream. You know? <laughs> we were seeing, well, he had a godly woman. That's what we aspired to. You know? He wasn't going to share his. You know? <laughs> and so they, uh, Ken got introduced to Jennifer. They weren't together. And I remember when things changed, because when I got to go on camp, I, I lived here in Austin, obviously. And I didn't stay on campus because mom said, when you go to college, you know, she says even before I was growing in God, said, hey, brother, you're gonna have to, that's going to have to be paid for. But she, she knew to trust God, said, hey, God's going to take care of that. And he did. I, you know, graduated from college, didn't owe the university anything, and uncle helped with that, but he got paid back. And so it was free, but, you know, it was up there, I would go there and then come home. So I stayed up there a lot, and I had to find places that I could, you know, rest. And Ken's place was one place where I would rest, and we would fellowship, and we would talk. And then Jennifer came, and I remember going up in Jester, big dormitory, and walking down. I was feeling good. I was going to see Ken, and I was going to rest. And uh, I went to knock on the door, and Jennifer opened the door. Hey! And I was like, what's up, Jennifer? And I went to go walk through the door, and she kind of stepped in front like this. How can I help you? I was like, uh, how can you help me? <laughs> I'm going in there to see Ken. He said, well, you know, and she, and she, she start, she's so benevolent that, you know, she can, like, tell you off in a nice voice. You know? <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, you know, it was so good to see you, John. 
asked, okay, and, and Ken's studying right now because he, he has a plan. And, and I was like, he's studying because he has a plan. And what she was telling me is that you got to get out of here <laughs> in a nice voice. And I, I backed up a little bit and, and I started to walk down the hall and she smiled and closed the door. And I was like, wait a minute, man. She just kicked me out of my room. <laughs> I, said, I was here first. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go tell this brother this ain't going to work. <laughs> but uh, God had peace in my life and said, leave him, leave him alone, brother. He got something good going. So then it was two people that were living the dream. And they used to tell me, John, you'll have something soon. And I said, man, I don't believe y'all. And then God blessed me with something. Praise God. And the pastor taught me to hold on to it, John. You know, nice. <laughs> Many other jokes, but I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, today we'll be talking about steps to accessing the abundant life in Christ. The abundant life in Christ. That's, that's what it's all about. Not just knowing about it, um, not looking forward to it, but experiencing it in the here and now. Amen? Yes. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you have given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You've not withheld anything from us. And now we thank you that now as your spirit rests in the house, our hearts are prepared, our ears are open to receive your truth, to receive revelation to receive instruction from you that we may walk according to that wisdom and be whom you've called us to be. Amen. I want to add something to the word the Lord just spoke that right now. As, as Aunt Gail ministered, Uncle James came before her, and she, she, she ministered about being lights. It's time for you to be a light. Remember when Pastor had the board up here and, and the different things were coming down, what's God saying? Miracles, signs, and wonders in this time right now, greater than you ever see before. And when person talked about things manifesting in you, that's what I hear now is your expectation should be turned toward the world seeing the manifestation of God through you. Okay? The world, see, see not just seeing the manifestation of God because that's nebulous, Right? We're just going to see God, then we can see God in Pastor Jim. But that's not the heart of God. You're here being instructed and ministered to if there's heaviness on your heart and things like that. Not just so he can get notches on his belt and things like that, but so that you can be equipped to go and do. Because if God is going to manifest in the world, and he is, he is going to do it through the church, which is you. As Christ is, so are you in the world. When it talks about, we'll get into that, ministering through Christ, his, his intent and his purpose was though that, so that they would see him through you. So I want, I want you to raise your level of expectation and your hope. If you are looking for God to do something, I want you to change to looking for what God is doing through you. Because it, it takes on different meanings, but it brings it into reality. You know, this hope that we have, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything if it's just a wish. You know? And let me, let me um, expel a religious cow or a lie. You know, when I, when I first tried to get saved or tried to get saved, but, the, you know, as it was introduced to the church, 
in my early years, which, which, which was a fine thing. Nobody was doing anything wrong. But my desire to know God was fueled by my fear of going to hell. Because nobody had to tell me the difference, you know, if you, you, you get to burn forever or you get to live in the clouds, which is my picture of heaven. I'm like, well, I'm sure that burning thing. I live in Texas. I know about hot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just that's common sense. But that's not, that's not the gospel message. That's pastor minister. Whatever brings you to God has to keep you. And the Bible doesn't say that we come to God through fear. Because, you know, and, and again, people minister that, and they, they come into God the truth that they know, and God will meet them where they're at. But that doesn't give you the freedom in God, okay? That's not the freedom in God. We don't come to God because we're afraid of penalty and judgment. We're going to get to that. The Bible says that God is love. Now, what does love desire? Think about it. Husbands, wives, what does love desire? For God so loved the world that he, now what was he looking for in return? Husbands, wives, she's not in it, she's supposed to be over there. When Damon loves on Tara, he pours out to her. He's not looking then for Tara to make demands. There's some things he wants in response, but what he wants as he pours out his love is for her to be respond, right? You need to do this because I, you just need to do it. That's a demand. Even if she does that, he doesn't feel benefited by it because I want to do it because she wants to do it. For God so loved you that he gave so that you would then respond. That's what love, love desires a response. I'm pursuing God because I'm responding to the love that he gave me. Not that we first loved him, but if he first loved us. Oh, Father, you're so good. I'm going to respond. Don't go to church because that's the demand, that's the religious ritual that I must now do to please God, but I'm responding to his call. Do, do, you, do you see the difference there? Because if I'm responding to his call, I've now entered into a path of relationship. And in the path of relationship, he can reveal things to me, and I can respond to that knowledge. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Well, people say that you could be Elijah. <laughs> Elijah's pretty popular. You could be, no, no, no. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say? You know the answer to this one? <laughs> Dumbest guy in the room steps up. You are the Christ, son of the most high. Blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't teach that to you. You didn't learn that from the, from, I about to say apostles. You didn't learn that from the Pharisees. You didn't learn that from the Sadducees. You didn't learn that going to school. The only way you got that was because my father revealed. That's relationship. When you, why is your relationship with your significant other, your best friend, your mentor different from any other? Because there are times of intimacy where things are revealed that makes you have inside connections. That's what God seeks, the inside connection with you. Because it's in that inside connection, he's going to reveal things to you 
that transform your life. You see how that matters? Because outside of spirituality, because when I say revelation, then you see Uncle James and Aunt Gail or Pastor Jim up here speaking words of wisdom, and that's revelation. But you knew Colonel Sanders got the revelation of how to make good chicken. <laughs> that's a revelation. <laughs> Practical made him billions. IBM was a conglomerate. And then the idea for Windows happened right under their noses. Somebody had a revelation, and they didn't understand it. Somebody else took that and ran with it, made millions. Billions. Excuse me. Millions was a long time ago. <laughs> Little bitty girl, you don't even know her name, is playing like to make angels. That's angels. I said, well, why don't you do something? She decided she'd make these little things. She calls them angels of something, put them on the backpack. Mom looked at it, saw the business idea. 13 years old, millionaire. Revelation changed their life. Practical, too. <laughs> practical, too. But you don't get the practical part. You think you got to be out in the world and be a business tycoon to no you just need to be in relationship God wants to release that in the church it should be released in the church but we're like the Israelites wandering out in the wilderness I got a million dollars I'm gonna get a million houses <laughs> million houses worth a million now I'm in debt by trillions <laughs> I can't do that with them yet so it's released in the world and they're managing it until we can get our stuff together so then God can pass that back over to us. Does that make sense? Yes. But you have to get into the flow of relationship so that you can get revelation. John 10.10. This 10. So is where we're going. I walked over here without my dagger. John 10.10. 10. Watch this. That, now keep that in mind and then listen, listen, listen to John 10.10. 10. All right? Which you already know it. John 10. Verse 10, keep that in mind and hear, and hear what God's saying here. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And everybody knows, and, this, and, and you see, usually, sometimes when you hear that, you say, okay, I came that they would have life and have it in abundance. And somehow, early on in my career, my career, my life in God, I would hear that, and, and I read that, and I came so that you would have life in heaven. I came so that because you get saved to go to heaven. Nowhere in this, that's not in the scriptures. <laughs> but that's what I thought. Because when you get to heaven, then you get the mansion, right? When you get to heaven, all your problems will go away. So I came so that you could go to heaven. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh. Because my marriage is in trouble now. But when I get to heaven, you know, we won't be married no more, and then there will be peace. <laughs> that don't even make sense. But we believe that. Well, when we get to heaven, we'll get our mansion. We're not even going to live in heaven. We're going to eventually be back on earth. New heaven, new earth. God's going to dwell with us here. But when I get to heaven, I'll have a new mansion. It makes the same sense. Well, when I get to heaven, we won't be married. When I get to heaven, I'll have all these millions and all these things that I wanted to do. Go see the White Sox play. <laughs> Go see that, you know... No. 
He said, I came so that you could live the abundant life. One translation says, live the God kind of life now. That's why I came. Now, the reason why that's important is because if he came to make it possible for you to live a God kind of life now, a life of abundance now, then that means there is some processes that he's left in place so that you can access abundant life now. Because some of us, when we came into God, came in flat broke. And while we have abundant life spiritually, we're not experiencing abundant life in our pocketbook. And when we're not experiencing abundant life in the pocketbook, it can make life difficult. It doesn't feel good to go live this Christian life. We're supposed to live. Oh, there I see these people having fun. They can go where they want to go, do what they want to do. I got to call Uber. Uh, that was in the end. I had to get on Capital Metro. <laughs> but man, I want to live different. Oh, I, I, I would love to. I would love to go do this. I would love to go do that. But I, you know, I got. I have to pay three thousand dollars in credit cards, and that's just the minimum. So it's still three thousand every year. You know, it's not getting smaller. And I got all that big debt, and I have this card. Got this house, and that's another debt. And at the end of the month, I have four dollars. Praise God for Wendy. They got the four dollar meal. <laughs> It's not the abundant life. Now, you can live that way and go to heaven. There's, there's no thing that you got to have this much money to go to heaven or whatever, but you're not necessarily receiving the fullness of God. See what I'm saying? It's not about money, because I'll flip it the other way. Have a marriage. It may have been rocky because of things that I've done. I get saved. I have access, which we'll see, to all this wisdom. The Bible says that God is love, and he's deposited his love in your heart. You have access to divine love. There's no way in the world that your marriage has to rot. But if you don't know how to access that, your marriage is staying in shambles. Not because, and I have to say this, because the enemy will have you blaming God. Well, God, God, look what God did. Look what God did. Okay. The same, the same, because he had, doesn't have any, the same stuff he did with Eve. God say, you can't touch that. Can't. No, you can't eat it. You can't touch it. He said, man, he's lying to you. He knows when you do that, you're going to be just like him. You don't know good and evil. It was already the lie because they were already like him. He created them in his image. We come into God and there's things that are missing. And he says, what? What are you thinking? No, you need to stay right where you are. God wouldn't want you to have that. You're holier when you're poor. You're holier when you experience suffering. It's not like him. God wants you to experience 
the abundant life. Let's map out what that kind of looks like. Watch, watch how this, this stuff ties together. And I'm going to have to do it quickly because I took a lot of time in the beginning. Ephesians 1, 3 through 19. Watch this. The abundant life. If you're going to live the abundant life, we're going to need to access it. If we're going to access the abundant life, we have to kind of know to expect it so we can start looking for it. Let me, let me point out some things, just a few. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to start with 3. Ephesians. Now, Jesus said, I came so that you can live the abundant life. The, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Watch this. Watch the language and see if it's similar to what we've just been talking about. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Already you have to stop. Blessed be our Father and Lord. He's excited. Why is he excited? Because he's blessed us. Definition of blessed is that you would be better off. He has made you better off. If I'm going to bless you, I'm going, I am praying that the favor and peace of God go with you. So it already he's instructing you or he's informing you that you are now in a better position. Now, already in your mind, because God's not telling you to dismiss reality, the things have to be reconciled. If I am living at a deficit in my finances, something has to be reconciled. If I am living at a deficit in my relationships, something has to be reconciled. If I'm living at a deficit in my behavior, there are things and actions and activities that I do that I cannot stop, but they're detrimental to me. Just by that phrase right there, something has to be reconciled if God wants it changed. Because we're told, well, when you get into church and you pray, if it be God's will. Well, if I'm reading the scriptures, I'm reading his will, and already it starts out, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Better off, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All right? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So what was not included in every? Well, everything's included in every. There's this uh, commercial, the, I think it's Verizon. No, there's a, late, there's a little girl. She's not little, but <laughs> she's talking to this guy, explaining all the benefits. And the guy's like, oh, man, I think you're doing it especially for me. She said, no, this is for everyone. And he says, well, what about that guy over there? He says, you didn't even look at that guy. She says, he's included in everyone. You know that? <laughs> I laugh every time I hear that because I see us in God. <laughs> God continually leads you in victory and triumph. He leads you in victory and triumph. Well, is that victory in every area? He leads you in all victory and triumph. God wants you to prosper. You prosper be in good health. <laughs> I got a little cough. Well, is coughing included in that? Everything's included in that. Everything that you could ever need, he's bequeathed to you. He's prepared it. Ah, oh, you don't even get it. because he's, he's, he, he puts it in so many different things. When John saw Jesus... The first time, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God was taking away the sins of the world. Already. Already. If you're Jewish, you understood that. Because they had to use those things in the sacrifices. Oh, I wish you bring Sean up here. Boy, he can explain that to you. Revelation. You sin, you're going to pray for the sins. We're going to impute the sins to the lamb. Then, you know, they different rituals, which I don't have all on down. You had the ram that ran off into the wilderness. Who let the dogs out? (laughs) 
And he put that on him already. Every spiritual blessing, preparation beforehand. Keep reading with me. Keep reading with me. Ephesians 3, I mean Ephesians 1, 3. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. There's nothing that's not included in that. For just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before the worlds were framed, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Look at the terminology. Because I can do something to be in anger, right? And Nietzsche burns my stake. I can be in anger when I get to do the ribs. Is mine ready? Not yet. But it's going to be cooked a little more. <laughs> I'm angry. Or I can, you know, I need to do something for her. But we had an argument, you know, two years ago. And I remember but I'm going to treat her nice because I should treat her nice, but I'm not happy about it. I'm in anger. I can do it in anger. It, it kind of colors what you're doing. I can do it because I think I have to. But that doesn't work very well. That doesn't, Michelle. Richard does something. I only did it because I had to. But he did it in love. That's, that's, that's his phraseology. That's his ideology when he's thinking about you. I'm, I'm fashioning this universe. Oh, you got to get in here in the morning. Ken's breathing through Kenyon and she's going through creation. God prepared the universe to bring lights and signs on the earth so that you would have that to enjoy. Big universe, little you, in love. Why am I telling you that? Because you need something to contrast with the deficit conditions that you may experience. This is not right, Lord. This is not right. And he's like, why are you bringing that to me? Go back and look what I did. I want it to be with you. I prepared the way so I could be with you. I gave you the life of my son. I didn't want to hold anything back from you. You think I care whether or not you have a big house or a little house. I just want you to have it with me. God, can't you see what's going on? Can't you see what's going on? My life is in shambles. That's not the way I intended it. I planned for you to be my son, my daughter, in love. I had good thoughts in mind. In love, he did that. No, that, this other stuff, this, it doesn't fit with the picture that he's put in front of me. Four, five. He predestined. That's a plan beforehand. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Not begrudgingly. Look at the words. Love. Kind intention. What? Six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. None of this is begrudgingly. None of this is very little. These are, these are big paint strokes. Big. Big paint strokes. Good stuff. Seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Then he lists out some. Man, do you know what you have? You have redemption. You've been redeemed. God's favor is toward you. What did you have to do? Nothing. It was prepared for you. That's big stuff. People in the Old Testament knew that. Job was praying for his kids. 
He said, man, they, they, they might messed up and they get destroyed by God. I got I to gotta, gotta go get, get them covered. You have forgiveness. Why? Because you went to church? Christmas? Mother's Day and Easter? No. Because you did everything right concerning your loved one? No. Because in his forethought, he says, I need to cover them. And I'm going to send my son. So there is not a chance that they will ever have to go without in experiencing my love. Do you, do you see this one, Zan? He made sure that nothing could separate you from his love. What does that sound like? Romans 8. I'm, just, I'm, try, I'm trying to paint broad strokes so that when you see something that is not right for you, you at least step back and think, well, wait a minute. If, I'm, if this is not a good experience for me, is this something that God desired? Because I would suggest to you, if it's not what he desired, I can cast it off. Right? Why keep that? Why continue to go through that? Why continue to nourish those emotions of guilt and loss and doubt and inferiority if that's not what he desired for you? Look at the broad strokes that he's painting in love, lavishly. Beloved, predestined. I'm talking about what I'm trying to do is give you the pictures, the things that you inherited in Christ. 11, verse 11, chapter 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose before image, who work all things after the counsel of the will. <sighs> so this, this is the set of the things, these are all the things that he's laid out there so that you can experience the abundant life. These are treasures. It's re- if you, you read this, then you jump to, or you don't jump to, you go through all the things, but when Paul starts talking about the armor in Ephesians, that's what he's referring back to. When he talks about the breastplate of righteousness that guards your heart, he's saying when you have these things in place, your inner man can be guarded. Because Jesus said, in this life you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. That's coming. But he did not intend for you to be bruised by it. But you have to have something that protects you. You have to have something that protects you. So that when it happens, you're, you're firm, not moved. Because on the other side of that trouble is your restoration. Can I say that? Can I say that? Sometimes when, 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 you, when you, there's a building and, and it has old paint on it and you need to get that paint off and you go across with some type of you know, scrubber or you get the power washer and, and wash it off and there's stuff that comes off in that first pass. And it starts to come off in that second pass. And you go, ugh. Because you see it, right? The little the cracks, the streaks. And, and you know that area right there is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to grind a little bit. And there are things in your life that in order for God to separate them from you, it's going to be some grinding. Ugh. It doesn't feel good. But if in the process of me grinding that away from you, you look at me accusingly, why are you doing this to me? No, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that to you. I'm removing that from you. 
oh, it doesn't feel good, I don't like it. In those times, in that condition, you have to know in whom you have believed so that you can look and say, am I walking the course that God has for me? Remember I said, if, if you're not, if that's not what God brought, then that needs to be discarded. Or if you're walking a certain course and that course gets difficult, I have to know that this is the path that God has drawn me on so that in the middle of my journey, I don't fall off. Does that make sense? Give me an example. I made a commitment. I, there's, something, there's something about this man. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's something. And I need to be around him just so I can hear that word. So I can, I'm going to hear what he has to say because I think it'll change me. And you get there one Sunday, and you get there one Sunday, and I think I'm going to come Wednesday. And then you come Wednesday, and you come Sunday, and you come Wednesday and one Sunday, and things are getting a little better. And then all of a sudden it happens. You get challenged. He says something a certain way, and God, I know he was talking to me. Yeah, no, well, he gets revelation. But in general, general, you know, he's not in your bedroom. But the the spirit may lead him to speak on a certain issue because of the people that's in the room. You You see what I'm saying? But it sounds like somebody told your business to him. They could have. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But he does get, but he's speaking because the spirit bears him along because that word is your revelation. You're challenged now. What do I, do I keep going? This man just, if he wasn't so tall, I'd smack him. <laughs> well, what did God tell you to do? I know what God told me to do. God told me I'm here. But what did he tell you to do? If he didn't tell you to be here, you need to be gone. But if he did tell you to be here, okay, now I got to get girded. Because <laughs> it's about to get rocky. <laughs> right? Because there's, there's certain things I may... I, <laughs> can't go back in that. There's certain things that I might enjoy in my life that are not good for me. And if they're under the deceit of, I enjoy it, and when I say I enjoy it, I can't, I can't go back to the lesson. It's an experience that I'm comfortable with. Let me use this example and you can get it because I want, I want to get to, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about how to access the abundance of God. I could, have a, I could be in a relationship that's abusive where, you know, somebody's, is be- this is the easiest example I can give, somebody's beating on me, either verbally or whatever, and I've been in that for a while. Let's say I come in, I come to church, and God, and I, and I end that relationship. Now I'm alone. I feel alone, but I'm not really alone because I'm in, the, I'm in the company of believers. I'm in the presence of God. But I need to be in this position so that I can minister to the, maybe the emotional damage that may have happened in that time. And so I'm walking along in this state, drawing closer and, you know, I might may, I may, I may hook up, you know, with Michelle. She has beautiful words, you know. And, and then I get to a certain point, and I notice, like, Peter walking in the water. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is not familiar ground. And, and, and what, I, what, I, what I can do instinctively is start to look for things that are familiar. I don't, I, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm going to sleep, and, you know, it's at night, and it's kind of comfortable. You know, I need a little chaos. And then something comes into my life that I probably need to wait on a little bit because I, the other is still so fresh. But I allow this in because I'm comfortable with somebody there. And then because I'm comfortable with somebody there, not even that, I need a little bit of friction. You know, I like them bad boys. <laughs> you know, that's good enough the bad boys. And then he's, you know, and even though he's hurting me abu- uh, you know, verbally or even physically, even though that's there and it's not good for me, I know that. And because I'm comfortable with it, I allow it to, co- to stay. And then that begins 
to either drag me backwards or at least keep me from moving forward. And then because I'm not moving forward, now things are getting stale. Now I don't want to gravitate toward Michelle because it makes this particular part uncomfortable because God is speaking to me. You know what? You don't have to have that. Well, I don't want to hear that. And then I have to get a little bit further away because I don't necessarily want to hear what pastor's saying because that makes this uncomfortable. But I know this. I know this. And then before you know it, I'm off over here. I'm in the bushes. And God, why did you forsake me? He's not. I'm still calling you. I'm still calling you. I'm faithful even when you're not faithful. You got something that even that abusive chump can't drive from you. You just need to tap into it. Recognize that's not from God. Let that go and move into this area where you're uncomfortable because even though it's uncomfortable, it's good. And then you get restored. You see that? But that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the challenge. That's, that's the that's, that's the. That's the competition where the enemy fights with you. But I have, to, I have to recognize the things that are valuable. As in Ephesians, you've inherited great things in God, great treasures that you got to know about. If I know that Uncle James is taking us to lunch after this and he's paying for steaks, I'm not getting PB&J. <laughs> I got to know that because we'll go out there and he'll keep his money in his pocket. And I'll say, well, I'm just going to get some PB&J. And he's like, well, John, if that's what you want. <laughs> he's, a, he's a shop. Well, you know, he's, hey, he's a, you're free, but if that's what you want. Now, nah, let me know what I can get. Because <laughs> I'm going to get it all. <laughs> I'm going to get it all. You say, I, the, the wealth of heaven is laid up for me. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear. All right, God, but I got some stuff on my mind, and it's in Macy's. Because <laughs> he didn't say where you had to get it from. But he didn't tell you to go into debt to get it. But if I have access to that, I just need to find out how to access it. Does that make sense? But I have to wait on him. All right. Treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. You have it. Ephesians. Now watch, watch this. Second point here. All right. So the first part was there's value in the life we inherit in Christ. There is peace beyond all understanding that you have access to. There's wealth and prosperity. That's been talked about all the time here that you have access to. There's stability in your soul that you have access to. All, all these things that you have access to, however, immaturity, this is the second point, immaturity hinders the access. 2 Corinthians 12. I'm going to give you an example in, from Paul's point of view. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. I'm bringing this out of left field, but that's Commonly, where our pastor comes from, so I feel comfortable. <laughs> Wait, 2 Corinthians 12, I think verse 7. Watch this. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he's, uh, <clears throat> the context is uh, there are people that have come in and are ministering to the Corinthians and leading them in different ways. And these people are talking bad, you know, and so Paul's kind of like, look, <laughs> you, you're receiving these people. They're, they don't have any credibility among you. We, I came to you. I minister first to you. I laid this groundwork. They didn't do that. They're over here talking themselves up. But let me, you know, let me get on A-level since they're trying to say that I'm a weak apostle. 
you know, because of whatever, just because I didn't demand money from you, you know, read it there. And he goes into these things, right? And then he, as he gets to this seventh, the seventh verse, this is part of that whole, well, if, I, if, if, if people are going to brag and that's what y'all are going to do, then let me brag. And he goes through these things. But then he gets to this very intimate part here, which there's insight in. Second Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So to keep me from getting up in pride because of this incredible revelation. And, and you, know, you can read before to get the context that I know a guy within the body or out of the body got translated up in the heavens. Because he's like, if, if we're going to just talk about who should be able to talk to you. But again, he said, he said look, this is not how it should, go, should be. But because y'all are going here, I'm going to go there just to make a point. But then he reveals this point, seven. Because of a messenger of Satan said to me, eight, yeah, seven through nine. Eight, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Nine, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast. That's where the boasting part comes in. Boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses and persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, here's the understanding in that. He says, look, if, if we're going to do this boasting thing and I got all this, all this stuff going on, he said, look here. There was something sent to buffet me. Now, were these something, oh, he had something in his eyes, or he very detailed before he gets in there. Man, every time I go out, people are trying to kill me. They had to lower me down a wall because the king wanted to kill me. I'm going out on these boats. Boats are getting destroyed. All these things are happening in my life. I asked the Lord three times, Lord, move this from me. I don't want to deal with it. And God said three times, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, when I read it the first time, this is before Pastor Jim ministered to my mind, you know, building me up. I read that something is troubling me. And I asked God to deal with it. He said, no, you deal with it. I asked him three times and three times he said, no, you deal with it. That's not what he said, though. He said, I asked God three times to deal with this. And three times God said, my grace, remember that all surpassing grace that you were given in Ephesians? Here it comes right here. My grace is more than enough. What's he saying? He's not saying, well, you just deal with that. He's saying, no, brother, what I have given you is more than enough to handle that. Because even though he went through all those trials, in every single trial, God delivered him. He was on a boat. The boat's going down. And he said, man, what are we going to do? And I said, hey, man, look, we're going to live. <laughs> we're going to live. Don't worry about it. And they lived. He gets on a boat. He's out of the storm. He's at the fire. He got bit by a snake. At that point, I'm freaking out. <laughs> I don't like snakes. He shakes it off. Why did he do that? Three times. God. See, I think it took him three times to learn the lesson. And by the time he got to that point, he said, you know what? His grace is sufficient. And shook it off. I got something I need to do. And then when he says, I've learned to be content in the weaknesses, he's not saying, okay, I've learned to put up with the weakness. He says, no, I'm, I've learned to be content in God, despite the things that are going on around me. 
Remember the other week when I ministered or shared with you about them going across in the boat and the storm was there and they're rocking and they're like, Lord, don't you care? We perish. And he's asleep. Because the storm didn't bother him. Didn't need the storm to be removed to see the power of God. They did. I would. <laughs> I know you. I, I, I understand that. Can you do something for me? <laughs> Because sometimes you think because there is trouble in your life that God's not active in your life. Mm -mm. He said, no, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know what that is? You're walking through that downtime that has such an ominous reputation. It casts a dark shadow. Just by going through it, you get, you know, back when I used to watch horror movies, I'm like, get it done. If I was a black person, I wouldn't even go out for that role. You always die first. <laughs> it's got a reputation, bad reputation. What are you doing? Scary movies. Stupid to me. No, no. Go upstairs and lock yourself in a room to try, you know, to get, no. You're in a, such a bad time. The shadow of it. And God's, God's power to you is not that he removes the trouble. He empowers you to thrive in the midst of the trouble. <laughs> it's all in the word. Three Hebrew boys, big fire. You're going to bow to this idol, right? Or you're going to burn. And they said, you know what? He ain't big enough. Our God is going to remove the fire. We don't have to deal with that. Yeah, he said, make the fire seven times hotter. Seven times hotter, how you like that? <laughs> God didn't remove the fire. They got thrown into the fire. Now, if I was writing this story right at the time that they're about to throw us in is when God would have showed up. He was unconcerned. (laughs) Throw them in. The power of God. They're walking around in the fire. King said, hey, what happened? (laughs) Man, we threw in three people. It's four of them down there. What? Oh, their God must be God. <laughs> Could he trust you in that situation? You, know, you don't necessarily have fire, but there's some trouble in your life that came out of left field. Could he trust you to stand firm? I'm not budging. I am Roger Pilmore. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God is not forsaken. Come on, babe. You got a blessed wife. We're walking through this because you don't know who's looking and God's ministering to him. And they're like, you see, you see, what God, you see that? Did you see those two? And you get that testimony and that person, God did that for you? They're watching. Now, the enemy's trying to destroy you. <laughs> he, he is, but he can't. He can try. But the whole time, you don't know what God is doing. And then as you you get built up, and you come through that fire, and the glory of God is shining all through you. And the people around you said, that God is real. That's what the people around you need. They don't want religion. Don't send me to no church. I can't do nothing for me. I need something tangible. How'd you, how'd you get back with her after all of that? Let me explain to you the value of this love of God. And they say, I 
need that. How'd you get back on track? You were way over here in left field. Let me explain to you about this peace of God that surpasses. And they say, I need that. See what God's saying? The manifestation of God. See, you need laying on our hands and stuff like that, and that's going to happen. I'm talking some of this other stuff. The power of God manifesting in you. And the world stands up. I don't care what Obama, whoever the next president is, they'll stand up and say, that God of that group, (laughs) that's real. That's real. But can God put you to the forefront like that? You have to imagine, David was a madman. There's a giant over there taunting the army of God. And they're scared. David walks up, and his brother says to him, what's up, little bro? What's up, little bro? And I said, get this fool out of here. He's a troublemaker. And what did he do? You, get, what, you talking about us? Somebody do something. Watch, watch, watch what happened. Watch what happened. He egging the fight on. Why? He was settled in God. I'm going to run straight toward danger because I'm running for the Lord. The value the value of what you have in God surpasses everything. Oh, well, let me say it like this. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. What do you think that means? What do you think that means? The revelation that you have in you? My God. I mean, I, I, get, I used to get, I still get tired and pray. And you come in here, she'll pray 10 minutes. I was finished at two. <laughs> you know, but man, you get these prayer people, you start to pray, God, God, the revelations you get, the past that you see, and you can walk right in the H-E-B, look at that person, get in that Captain Crunch and say, you know what, excuse me, I just feel like I need to share some stuff with you. And they, How did you know that? The wisdom of God bottled up within you the whole time, but you're not confident enough to let it out because you're unsure of the treasure that abides within you. Oh, man, I'm here to tell you there is greatness abiding within you, and it does affect your day to day. But immaturity blocks it. Immaturity blocks it. The converse it is, Paul said, I'm settled. Doesn't have to be, I'm settled in God. I got it. Without that, he allows the trouble to distract him from the mission. Let me go. Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6. Let me tie it together. Man, I'm burning up with the power of God. Philippians 1.6. I'm going to start there. All right? Philippians 1.6. Watch this. I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will do what? He will perfect it. The one that started it, he's going to perfect it. The translation says, bring you to maturity. Bring you to maturity. That work that was beginning is going to, you're going to mature. Watch this. Immaturity blocks, can be a hindrance to you accessing the wealth of God. Paul was mature. He didn't need for the trouble to be removed for him to see God's power. Immaturity blocks it. Watch this. 1 John 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18. I want you to see it and tie it in. Get this wealth thing going. 1 John 4, 18. 
There is no what? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. Perfect. Mature love. Mature love. Say, Nietzsche, you know what? My love is so mature for you. <laughs> That's not the line that I put on it. It was a smooth line. That was a smooth line. It's not talking about the love. It's talking about you maturing in his love. His love is complete and perfect. But my knowledge of that love, my ability to understand that love can be imperfect. Perfect love casts out fear. Let me, let me give you, let me give you Another one, if you have NIV, read that. Let me give you what, did I write that down? Yes, you know, yes. NIV says, there's no fear in love, it's driven out. Because fear has to do with punishment. Let me show you how this works. You have, imper- I, I, I already put my stuff out, I, I was with Anitra, this is early on, and I did something to make her mad, which, you know, just her burden to bear, I guess. And, and I, I was so distraught. I was like, oh, it's over. This blessed relationship that God has blessed me with is done. And, you know, and I called her for that, you know, okay, it's, it's over now. I said, what's wrong with you, man? It's over. It's over. I said, boy, you think I'm going to end this just because we have some trouble? Oh, grow up. <laughs> My love is not mature. <laughs> it's high school stuff. But you check the box. No, mature love. Mature love is God's love. Before the foundation of the world, I predestined you. You, yes, you. That means I looked at you, I saw your fallacies, I saw your weaknesses, and I made preparation to cover them. That's mature love. God challenged me. All right, you want her? Yeah, I want want her. You want her? I want her bad. All right, then I need you to see her. And I need for you to extend your love to her despite the weaknesses that you're going to see as you continue in this relationship. Can you do that? Because that's what I do for her. And if you can't do that, you need to step off. I don't even say how he talked to me. That probably has to do with how he trains us. So you need to step off. I'm her father. If I deem you worthy, then I'll, you know. But you got to have mature love. My wife needs to know that in her bad days, I'm going to be there and around that. She, she, you know, she can come on here and send the right hook. Can't send the left because then I'm coming back. But she can send the right one. You know? No. When she, she's had a hard day, when it's been rough for her and she comes out ugly, I can't retreat and be offended. I, I get offended because I'm not perfect, but I can't be offended. I, can't, I, can't, I, I don't get to step back and say, I don't love you anymore. Or I don't get to extend my love to you because that's what I do. I pull back. You're going to do that, then I'm going to do this. And God says, that's not right. She gets to have down days. He probably does the same thing with her, you know, because she's still there. You know, she, <laughs> uh, know that. Yeah. My wife gets to be as ugly as she has to be because the God that brought us together can strengthen me to deal with it. And then he'll come back on the other end. Now, you apologize. But he gets to tell her that. I can't tell her that. You apologize to me. You make me. <sighs> no, I have to trust God. God speaks to her heart. People, people married people, y'all can get, no. I, she, she tells me, I have to trust God with you, that he's going to get you right. And then I come back and say, you know what? I was wrong on that. 
That's the value you have in God. But you got to have mature. He says, perfect love, mature love, it drives out fear. There's punishment. If there's fear, there's punishment. If there's punishment, I'm not hanging around. I'm afraid. Because the enemy is the accuser, and he stands up. They did it. They did it. They did it. And you feel small. Now, you need to go toward God because you did do it. <laughs> but I'm not so sure if I'm worthy of what he promised before. Because after all, this is not the first time I've done this. This is not the second time I've done this. Now religion comes in. Well, he can forgive you once or twice, but now you're starting to. And so now you don't go toward him because there's a fear of judgment. That was the whole point of the cross. All the judgment, the penalty, the abuse. Christ said, I'm going to receive it in myself. Let me have it, Father, on their behalf. And God poured out. He told, he told Peter, can you drink this cup that I'm about to drink from? You'll see that in Revelation, that terminology. Pour, the, the wrath of God being poured out. He said, you pour it out in me. And he did. And he said, God, why did you forsake me? Confirmation of the process. And then he said, it's done. And why did he do that? Because he didn't have to. So that in your ugliest time, you can boldly come before the throne of God and receive grace. Now, you, you're still thinking about what you did. He's thinking about what his son did. It's covered. It's covered. But I'm ugly. I'm so ugly. No, 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 no. All I, all I see is covering. Because you got to get next to him to get the love, to get the arms. God's to build you up. I see greatness in you. <laughs> but, Lord, this stuff keeps happening. This stuff keeps happening. I said, that's not me. The treasure, you got to have a mature love because immature love will cause you to run from the very thing that's there to deliver you. No, 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 you keep coming. But I don't look right, you keep coming. I don't talk right, but you just keep coming. Because the closer you get, the more his presence comes on you. And then you wake up one day and whatever that was that was troubling you, anointing destroys the yoke. He told a message, this might be 20 years ago now. He said, that anointing, it's, it, the, the real terminology, that it is a grinding, a continual, <laughs> I just got to stay. under your So immaturity, that an imperfect understanding of him will cause me to run from him and who I need to stay in. So immature love will hinder you from that. Okay, that's what Paul points out. Philippians 1, 6, 1 John. All right, let me, let me show you this. I might have to stop here. All right. Uh, let me give you the picture. Let me give you the last picture. Well, it might not be the last picture, but it's the best picture. <laughs> 2 Samuel. <laughs> 2 Samuel. All right, all right. Valuing. God has given you treasures, right? You have to learn how to access those. It's already been prophesied up here that that's in you to be brought out, all right? 
going to access, be brought out. In accessing it, if you're immature, if you've not grown up, it may cause you to miss out on some things that God has given you. But God still has given you. That's not the problem. Is that that your ability to access it is hindered because you have imperfect knowledge. You're not grown up in it. Watch this picture. This picture that God laid out there. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. I'll give you chapter 9. 2 Samuel. Oh, I'm going back to the Old Testament. Forgive me, Pastor. It's, it's his fault, though. It's, this man drops these revelations. These are things that help me. 2 Samuel. Watch this. 9. Watch this picture. Watch this picture. 2 Samuel 9. Then David said, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? Look at the terminology being used. Look at the terminology being used. Kindness. That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now, he's trying to show him kindness because of the person or because of the relationship. Way before, Jonathan says, I know you're going to be king. When you come into your kingdom, extend kindness. So he said, but John, is there anybody left in Saul's house? He's now king. Is there anybody left in Saul's house so that I can show him kindness? Now watch this. Now there was a servant, the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. I'm sorry. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant, because he's, he's like, I could be killed. <laughs> I'm, I'm the old administration. Watch this. The king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? <sighs> Terminology. And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said, uh, king, behold, he is in the house of Akir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. And the king sent and brought him from the house of Akir, son of Amiel, from the Lodibar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, prostrated himself, prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here's your servant. And David said to him, do not what? <laughs> do not fear. Now, he's getting ready to tell him, man, because of your relationship with your father, you're going to eat at my table. Now, understand this. When you're in the presence of the king, you're in his favor. That's why everybody can't get into the court. Remember Ruth? said, hey, man, I can't, I can't, I can't go. I, that's Esther, right? I can't go to, to the, and just walk into the presence of the king. You walk in there and you ain't been asked for it, you get killed. So if you're able to go into the courtroom... The courtroom of the king, you have favor. He's in, he's in the courtroom of the king. The, and, and he shouldn't be there because he's with the old administration. Now, the reason why he's injured, he's crippled in both feet. He's crippled in both feet is because when the Philistines had killed uh, uh, Saul and Jonathan, they were going around killing, killing the lineage. The nurse picked him up in fear because she doesn't know the promise and ran with him. In running with him, she dropped the baby which was Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth injured both feet. Now he's crippled. And she picks him up and runs away to load the bar. Now, what we got doing? The town's called load the bar. Load the bar means place of no pasture. Load the bar means a place where forgotten people. He's hanging. Now, this dude was the son of a prince. He's royalty. And he's coming up, and he's like, I got nothing. I should have a castle. I should have people serving me. I got nothing. He's in a town where they, they don't even remember my name anymore. This is shame. His name means breaker of shame. Look at the irony. Look at the irony. I'm crippled in both feet. 
I'm crippled. I can't even walk for myself. And I was, I was supposed to be a, maybe a future king. <laughs> that, that's us. Come on. God said, I'm an heir and joint heir with Christ Jesus. Look at me. I can't even walk straight. I can't love my wife the way I'm supposed to love her. I'm over here messing around. I got this anger problem that blows up on everybody, and you're trying to tell me God loves me. God has something for me. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Look, look at the terminology. Where is he? The place where people have been forgotten. I got nothing. And now he's found. He said, the kingdom of God is like a master that had a prepared a ceremony and he said, go get those people. And those people didn't want to come. He said, no, go out and tell them again to come. And they didn't come. He said, no, I go out there and get the people that don't even deserve to be in here and fill my house. I don't deserve to be in his presence. But yet, because of the promise, I got a relationship. Is there somebody left that I can show them the love of God? And he comes in. And he's been, he, I'm crippled in both feet. David's men that have been with him and killed people and honors galore, sitting at the table. And he's walking in crippled in both feet. And he said, Mephibosheth, and he knows what's about to happen. Oh, I'm about to die. They found me. And he said, because of your father, I'm going to restore to you everything that you should have as a king. Then he gave him servants. Ziba, you got well, 12 sons. I don't remember. I'm caught up in God. I can't remember the name. He says, Ziba, you and your sons, you're going to serve him. You're going to go out and till his fields, take care of his stuff, make sure there's food in his house. Look at this. Then David says, but he's going to eat at my table like he's one of my sons. Yeah, you may be out here on the outskirts not enjoying the abundance that God has promised, but that's not what he intended because he's made the place for you at his table. Well, why ain't I seeing it? You just got to grow up because it's there. Just access it. We shall look good. Am I the only one to see that, or does anybody else see that? <laughs> Come on. And, 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 and in David doing that, his name is fulfilled, breaker of shame. <laughs> oh, what is man that you are mindful of them? Because he made them lower than the angels, but he has crowned him with glory and honor. Come on, man. You're part of the Christ family. You're included in Christ's family. Everything that he's privileged with, you're privileged with. Oh, well, he said it like this. Everything that I was given, the Spirit takes from me, and he administers it to you. Oh, Ephesians said it different. Ephesians said, every spiritual blessing has been given to you. you it's yours. You just got to learn to access it. But I can't see it. You just, you got to grow up and mature. The child doesn't know Richard and Michelle are millionaires. 
But what they do know is when it's time to eat, they get to eat. But as they get older, then they have to, okay, now you got to learn how to go, you know, go make a pizza. <laughs> I'm all why we going out. <laughs> but there's access. There's a time God will feed you. But then there's a time to grow up. Because God's like, I'm not just going to let this man come in here and steal your stuff anymore. Now it's time for you to stand up. But God, I can't do that. No, no, no. Greater is the one living on the inside of you than he that's living in the world. You need to grow up. Grow up. Grow up and access the wealth of heaven. It is waiting for you to take hold of and show forth the glory of God by your hands. Father, we thank you for the greatness of your glory, the love that you poured down on us, poured into our hearts, not holding anything back. We know we don't deserve it, but you have given it to us, delivered us from darkness, translated into the kingdom of light. Lord, we say thank you. And now we desire to access that. May the truth of your word manifest in our hearts and in our lives that you may be glorified in the things we say and the things we do. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We have enjoyed the presence of God. Pastor, is there a word or anything that you would like to give, sir? And I say that you are the blessed of the Lord. The Spirit of God lives and abounds in you as you go forth. The new creation miracles of God abound in your life, and you walk in the liberty and freedom of our God. Amen. Go with God. You're blessed.